Let's pray as we come to God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your life-giving word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. Uh, Lord, speak to us now. Uh, Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey so that your glory will go to the ends of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was during the 18th century that uh, two Moravian believers, two Christians from the German church, decided to sell themselves into slavery so they could reach the slaves in the Caribbean with the gospel. As their ship set sail for St. Thomas, they were heard crying out, Worthy is the Lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. Worthy is the Lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. And when I first read those words, they puzzled me. I thought, what a strange thing to say when you're leaving to do some mission work overseas. But when you understand those words, the reward of his suffering, when you understand what the reward of Christ's suffering is, you understand why these guys said it. You see, those words, the reward of his suffering, are the answer to that question, why do we have mission? What's the purpose of mission? Why do you want to go and tell your friends and your family, your neighbours, your schoolmates, your work colleagues about the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, mission exists because God's glory isn't honoured by the people's of this world. The reward of Jesus' suffering uh, is the glory that he brings to the Father. Our mission is all about the glory of God going to the ends of the earth. And now we hear a lot about uh, God's glory in church, don't we? we? We sing about it, we use that phrase all the time, but I reckon if I was to ask you to define for me what the glory of God is, I reckon you'd be, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to, to define it. So let me tell you what the glory of God is now. God's glory is the beauty of of all his attributes, demonstrating that he is someone of infinite greatness and infinite worth. It's like adding up all the attributes of God, his love and his power, his sovereignty, his goodness, etc., etc. All those things added together are his glory. And what those things do is show how, how glorious our God is. They show forth that, that he is someone of infinite value. He is someone of, of infinite greatness. So, for example, in Isaiah chapter 6, when the seraphim say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his... And you'd expect them to say holiness, wouldn't you? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his holiness. But no, they say glory. You see, when God's holiness goes on public display, people see how glorious our God is. God's glory is really the essence of his being. It's who he is. He is glory. Like like I am flesh and blood, God is glory. He's absolutely unique. There's no one or or nothing like him in the entire world. In fact, if there was, if there was something in this world as glorious as our God, God would no longer be God because he shares his glory with no one. In Isaiah, we read, Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, that is my name, My glory I give to no other, nor my praise. In fact, God, he exists for his own glory. He loves to display his glory. He finds joy in his glory. Actually, if God didn't take infinite joy in who he was, if God didn't love himself infinitely for who he is, if God didn't value that which is supremely valuable himself, that would mean that there is something in this world more valuable than God. And God would be committing idolatry. 
for God not to take uh, infinite delight in the infinite worth of his own glory, he would be unrighteous. Everything that God does, he does it for his glory. He values himself above everything. There is no one in the universe who is higher, more magnificent, more exalted, more perfect, more precious than God. The Lord says in Isaiah 40, to whom, to whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. It was during that debate in the Reformation between Luther and Erasmus over free will that Luther says to Erasmus, your thoughts of God are too human. I mean, and that's where we so often get it wrong, isn't it? Our thoughts of God, they're not great enough. We need to be blown away afresh by the glory of our God. And it should be our desire that, that everyone in this world be blown away by his glory as well and bring him the glory that he deserves. I mean, that's why I proclaim the gospel, isn't it? It's through the gospel that people come to know God and then bring him the glory and honour and worship that he deserves as God. That's the goal of the gospel. It's the glory of God's name. And you, and you see that in Paul's letter to the, to the church in Rome. Come to me the first chapter there and Paul's letter to, to, to the Romans. And those first five verses of chapter one there, Paul explains what the gospel is. He says its origin is from God. He says we, we find it in the scriptures. He says the substance of the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for all nations and its purpose is the obedience of faith. Now at the end of those first five verses there, Paul tells us the goal of the gospel. And we read these words there. He says, the gospel is for the sake of his name among all the nations. Those words there serve as a, as a climax to Paul's explanation of the gospel. They're, they're there for a reason. They're the pinnacle, the peak, the, the culmination of the proclamation of the gospel. For the sake of, of his name, for the glory of his name. It was John Stott who said the highest of all missionary motives. And we're all missionaries, aren't we? As soon as you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on mission for God 24-7. It doesn't matter where you are in this world. The highest of all missionary motives is neither obedience to the Great Commission, important as that is, nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing, strong as that incentive is, especially when you contemplate the wrath of God, but rather zeal burning and passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, that should make us jealous. Jealous for the honour of his name. Guys, we should be troubled when his, heart, when his name is, is unknown in this world. We should be hurt when it's ignored, angry when it's blasphemed, and all the more determined that it should be given the honour and glory that it deserves this is the supreme goal of the gospel. It's for the glory of God's name. And you know, the, the whole sweep of biblical history confirms this. The Bible is about God saving his people. And it's always for his glory. So when God es uh, rescued Israel from Egypt through the Exodus, God says this was his motive. Exodus chapter 14. I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh. And all the army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. I have another Old, Old Testament story. Ezekiel chapter 36. Israel here has, has sinned against God. Uh, God rescues them from their sin. And have a listen to why he does it. Therefore say to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God. It's not for your sake. O house of Israel that I'm about to act. 
but for the sake of my holy name. What a statement. When God saves his people, he does it for his holy name, for his glory. God saves us and blesses us with his amazing grace so that his glory will go to the ends of the earth. This is the basic fundamental truth which permeates scripture from beginning to end. The goal of the gospel is for the glory of his name. So if that's the the goal of the gospel is the glory of God's name, and if we're saved for the glory of God's name, then the goal of our life is the glory of his name as well. Our life is all about his glory. And if that's the case, that now becomes the great unchangeable principle about which everything in my life is now measured. You know, I wonder if we actually really appreciate the magnitude of that. My life, our life, is to reflect his glory. Of all the ways that that God could have shown his glory in this earth, he does it through me, he does it through us, his people. We're here to, to glorify God. But more importantly, we are here to see the glory of God go to the ends of the earth. Each and every one of us has exactly the same mission in life, to see the glory of God extend to the ends of the earth. You see, the issue with this world is that God is not glorified by the peoples of this world. The infinite, all-glorious creator, by whom and for whom all things exist, the one who holds every person's life and being at every moment, is disregarded, He's disbelieved, he's disobeyed, he's dishonoured by the peoples of this world. That's the ultimate reason for missions and we're here to see that change. The question is, what are we doing about it? I mean, if that's the whole reason for your existence, for my existence, what are we doing about it? There's no time to waste There are more than a billion people today who are heading for a Christless eternity. We do not have time to waste our lives on the great Australian dream. I mean, how many of us are embracing the comforts of Australia while we turn a deaf ear to those who don't know Jesus? What are we really devoted to? The glory of God to the ends of the earth? Or that great Australian dream of of a better home and garden? You know, there are more than 5,000 people groups, around 1.5 billion people, who are classified as unreached and unengaged. Unreached means that a people group does not contain an indigenous community of evangelical Christians with adequate numbers and resources to spread the gospel in that group. Unengaged means that there is no church or organisation actively working within that people group to spread the gospel. This means for those 1.5 billion unreached, unengaged people groups, peoples, almost every individual within them is born, lives and dies and never hears the gospel. Even worse, no one is currently doing anything about it. No one. You know, I heard the story of a Christian who recently spent time with one of those unengaged, unreached people groups. They were a remote village in in Asia who had never heard the gospel. He said he got there and a man went to this this small shop and reappeared moments later with a can of Coke. This guy said then it immediately hit home. A soft drink company in Atlanta has done a better job 
of getting brown sugar water to these people than the Church of Jesus Christ has done in getting the gospel to them. What are we prepared to do about that? A few years ago, I saw a, an episode of Foreign Correspondent on the ABC. It was about this, uh, this Indian chef, 10 years ago, who was on his way to a five-star career. He graduated from this prestigious uh, hospitality course and to offer this uh, very lucrative job at a hotel in Switzerland until he stumbled across a very deeply disturbing scene in India that stopped him in his tracks. He said, I saw a very old man. He must be somewhere around 80 years of age and he was having his own human waste for lunch. I was shocked. What's happening? What is this guy doing? He said, that night I thought, what am I doing? I'm selling a plate of fried rice for $10 in my five-star hotel where people come and have food for fun, for fantasy, for joy and recreation, not for hunger. I know they only eat half the plate and we throw the other half out. Well, this guy gave up his career and now he spends his time feeding the poor of India. And this guy's not even a Christian. How much greater, how much greater is our calling? I mean, what, are, what are we prepared to do? What sacrifices are we making so that, of all things, God's glory will, will go to the ends of the earth? I mean, the, the fact that God is not glorified by so much of this world, does it break your heart? I mean, does it grip you? Does it compel you to, to radical, risk-taking, death-defying obedience so that God is glorified in the world? Are we gripped by the glory of God? I mean, does, does it matter to us? Do we, do we anguish over it? A- anguish isn't a, world, a, a word we hear very much in our pampered age. It, it's a word we, we rarely hear in church. Anguish means extreme pain and distress. Now, the emotion so stirred, it becomes painful. Acute, deeply felt inner pain because of the conditions about you, in you, around you. What, what, do, you, what do you anguish over? What, what grips our heart? Next bill we've got to pay? Our mortgage? Our kids' education and future? A, a better home and garden? Money? How about the glory of God to the ends of the earth? C.S. Lewis once said, our greatest fear should not be the fear of not succeeding, but the fear of succeeding at something that doesn't matter. The man of God's glory is radical. If God's glory is going to go to the ends of the earth, it demands a radical response from us as his people. But we fail to be radical. We fail because I reckon we're too comfortable with Jesus. They're sure safe in the, in the hands of Jesus, uh, but at the same time, very, very uncomfortable. How do these words from Jesus make you feel? Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus demands radical spiritual commitment. He must have all our heart or none. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, he says, gouge it out and throw it away. Jesus demands radical spiritual self-mutilation. One Christian once said, I I wish I was deaf, blind and dumb so that nothing could divert me from my love for God. 
Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Jesus demands radical, radical spiritual self-crucifixion. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come, come and die. Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely saying all kind of evil things against you because of me. Jesus re- requires radical, re- radical spiritual martyrdom. Joachim Jeremiah's rights to be near Jesus is dangerous. Jesus demands radical sacrifice. Do you know that Christians spend twice as much money on, on cut flowers than we do on missions? Five times more on our pets than we do on missions. Three times more on swimming pools. Seven times more on lollies than we do on mission. 20 times more on sport. And 26 times more on soft drink than we do on mission. Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Jesus demands radical love. See what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, I want all or nothing. If you don't put me first, forget it. Seeing the glory of God advance to the ends of the earth, it requires a radical response. And it should make every one of us very, very uncomfortable. Don't get sidetracked. God's glory demands radical obedience. If we think being a Christian is all about nominal devotion, with little risk, little sacrifice, little abandonment, then we will do little when it comes to the mission of God's glory. Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Jesus isn't saying follow me as a, as a nice stroll in the park. It's not about making a, a few minor adjustments to my life. To follow Jesus means giving up everything. And that might even mean your life. It's the sort of commitment and sacrifice that Jesus demands from his disciples. Jesus gave his all. He gave his life. When it comes to the good news of the gospel, Jesus doesn't hold back, but sacrifices everything in love. And when that gospel, when that truth of the gospel grips your heart, when you understand the extravagant, unconditional, infinite love of Jesus for us in the gospel, for his glory, well, we want to give our all as well, won't we? We want to give our life as well. My family and I are in Japan for for God's glory, to see his glory fill that nation and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for partnering with us in the work of the gospel in Japan so that together we will see the glory of God cover this earth. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to understand afresh this morning how, how glorious you are, how wonderful you are. Father, thank you for the gospel. Lord, thank you for that great news and the depths and lengths that you went to to rescue us so that your name is glorified. Father, give us that same passion and zeal to see the name of God go to the ends of the earth for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.